to be able to do what you do. So how can I buy in to what you guys are all about? Any price, name it. I will pay for this. I want the same kind of power, authority, popularity that you guys are building right now. What do I need to give you to do that? They scold him very soundly. This cannot be purchased. This is a gift from God. So Simon doesn't get what he wants. And there's a wonderful lesson in all of that. We can't earn this. We don't pay for anything. It's paid for by someone else. Well, meanwhile, all these things are taking place. Meanwhile, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was at the stoning of Stephen. He was a, an approving eyewitness Saul is a gifted, blessed, educated young man who has been fighting against the cause of Christ with all his might. He was famous for his zealous attitude toward getting rid of the followers of Jesus. It wasn't enough that he'd clear out Jerusalem. He was willing to travel and to drag back to Jerusalem anyone that he discovered that was following Jesus Christ, sharing his good news with anyone. Drag them back to the capital, put them on trial, and execute them. Very dangerous man now breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Well, there's confrontation coming. Verse 3, as he, as Saul neared Damascus on his journey... Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Part one of the confrontation is now complete. It's just the first part. Verse seven, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now here's part two of the confrontation coming up. Uh, verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. He is praying for someone to come and place their hands on him to restore his sight. 
Well, Ananias is having his own confrontation here, isn't he? Doesn't look like it at first, but listen. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, are you ever a little amazed at the, uh, the willingness of some people in the Bible to debate God's instructions? Every once in a while, God calls somebody in a really miraculous, strange, wonderful way. Yeah, but Lord, I don't know how to speak very well. Well, Moses, I'll give you your brother. He can speak for you. Gideon, well, Lord, you know, we don't have enough people. You have hundreds of people in your army. Tell you what, I'll make them fewer. And then we'll see how it goes. You're going to find out it's me. Well, here we have Ananias. You know, Lord, Saul, he's a bad guy. And I don't know if we should go be talking to him because he's going to arrest me and everybody else and drag us down to Jerusalem. And who knows what's going to happen? The Lord's response, pretty good, pretty solid. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Wow, Gentiles. And to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much this though. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who, you, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, he was baptized. Saul, who came uttering murderous threats, is now a baptized believer in Jesus Christ. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. He's been confronted and has now had his whole life turned around, changed forever. He's not going back. You can't undo what God has done here. He's got a rough road ahead. He will suffer. But he will be a representative for Christ unlike any other. We are still reading his words and his story today, aren't we? The evidence of that conversion, because that's exactly what it was, is his obedience to now his commission that comes from God. Commission is a part of any solid conversion. If I go back to uh, verse six in this chapter, God said, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. That's part of his commission. I'm gonna tell you what you'll be doing. Well, he did that. He went into town, met Ananias, went through all of this, 
and in his obedience and, and through the ministry of Ananias, he receives the Holy Spirit and is commissioned to be God's messenger to Gentiles and Jews alike. He stayed a few days there, got rested up, got fed, strength back. I'm thinking he probably got discipled a little bit as well. We gotta put some of these things together. But we need to remember that this man, Saul, one of the highest intellects, I've heard people say that he is one of the top intellects of all time in any venue, any discipline of study. This is a brilliant man. And what a brilliant choice to be a lead apostle. He knows so much, this Saul. And now it's all starting to come together. This makes sense now. I don't have to be angry anymore. I don't have to be murderous and threatening. I will serve the Lord. What a relief that must have been. I'm going to summarize some of Saul's work uh, in response to his new commission and calling by uh, taking a brief look at verses 20 to 31 in Acts 9. And it is just summarized. Um, so read along with me. Verse 20, at once he, Saul, began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now that's a conversion. 21, all those who heard him were astonished. Is this the guy that was coming to get us? This is good what he's doing. Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. That's how good he was and is. 23, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. Shoes on the other foot. His safety is endangered. Verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. I, they're probably pretty smart to be a little skeptical, but it didn't take all that long. And now verse 27, one of the, I think one of the sweetest verses in all of scripture. This is a wonderful thing that happens here. While everyone is afraid of him, it says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And Barnabas becomes one of the heroes in the Christian faith for what he did, what he shared with, with Saul. They become partners a little later and travel that whole region. They had their issues later on, but this is a friend. This is a mentor now. This is someone he can walk with. And that's the thing about being converted. Everyone, even a powerful man like Saul when converted, needs partners and mentors and teachers and people to share the faith with and to serve with. Barnabas is a hero. He is that for Saul for a long time. Well, if you continue to read the book of Acts, you'll find out that Saul and his friends went through many narrow escapes, prison, shipwrecks, all kinds of stuff going on. Eventually, Saul finds acceptance by 
the local Christians. In verse 31, as the work goes on, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. It grew. Well, there's that part of the story. We are not, however, Saul. I'm not Saul. You're not either. None of us is. We don't need to be, but for sure we're not. Our conversion, our coming to Christ, or Christ's coming to us, if you will, will not be the same as Saul's, but there will be certain basic similarities. There are similar parts to everyone's conversion, change, from not being one who walks in the way to one who does. Those three parts, again, we are confronted, all of us. We are converted and we are commissioned as well. We share those three. Confronted by the Spirit who shows us our sin and our need for a Savior. Without this confrontation, we go lost. For the cross of Christ stands as a reminder of the confrontation carried on between Jesus and death. And we have a wonderful reminder of who wins that confrontation. The cross is empty, and so is the tomb. Jesus wins. Now what? It's up to us simply to receive the victory, to own it, and to live in it. We don't have to fight the battle against sin. Maybe, well, we do resist sin. We seek to be disciplined to not sin. But when we do, we know we have a Savior full of grace to forgive us. We don't fight against the evil one. We resist the devil. He will flee. We can be influenced by him. But Jesus has won that victory already. We simply need to receive his work on our behalf. All these battles, these confrontations, they're done, they're over. And we live our lives now with Christ, seeking his grace to live each day with him. And what will you do with that? Let's receive what Christ has done on our behalf. Accept the pardon provided by God himself. And if you have not done that yet, I pray that he will continue to confront you until the scales fall from the eyes of your heart. And you say yes to him. Conversion comes in the yes. Yes, Lord, I am a sinner. Yes, Lord, I need your grace. I, I will go lost, Lord, if I do not receive the grace given, shared on the cross and in that empty tomb. Well, then we receive our commission. All disciples of Christ function under the same directive, which was given so long ago. We find it in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. I think we fall into that description. We are at the ends of the earth. How far away from Jerusalem can you get before you start going back towards Jerusalem? 
hot. A little silly, but think about it. The gospel has gone global, preached everywhere. We continue to carry the message to those who have not heard. Is the end in sight? I think so. We continue to serve as long as we are called and we are gifted to do just that. Are we all going to be like Saul in our ability to be evangelists? uh, Evangelistic work is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Most of us are not capital E evangelists. I have many friends who are. Uh, One of our good friends here named Vern is a gifted evangelist with a capital E. I don't stand in that crowd. I have have a little different gift package, if you will. But one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard, one of the most freeing things, comes uh, when it comes to serving Christ, came from a very gifted evangelist friend of mine long ago. He knew that I was struggling with this idea of leading people to Christ and and why I couldn't be better at it. And uh, because I really want to be. And my friend Jack said, you know, Bruce, not everyone can be an evangelist or is an evangelist. But we can all be witnesses. Everyone is a witness. Thank you. That I can do. I can share Jesus with others. He does all the work anyway. I can be a witness. I have many friends who are Evangelists. I have many more who are witnesses. Uh, you had VBS here last week. Many of our witnessing friends took part in that, and others came to Christ through that ministry and, and have joined the ranks of the many who are witnesses. And I trust that you are in that group as well. So we are commissioned with the same call to witness and to serve. And all of this leads to the salvation for many. Because here we are, friends. Many are still being confronted by the cross and by their own lives. By the sin that so deeply dwells within them and they need to hear about this freedom. We are commissioned to be confrontational, if you will. But it's not us, it's the cross of Christ, Jesus himself. Many will become converted, will be converted, will be transformed, changed forever because of our witness and our evangelism. And then they too will join the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And all of this in step with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word to us. Your word is truth. And I pray that you would take this truth into our lives, into our hearts, and lead us step by step into this world to which we witness in Jesus' name. Amen.